Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast, Group of Death. What group of death? Liverpool sail through to the next round of the Champions League as group winners after a 2-0 win over Atletico Madrid. And James and Max are here to talk all about it. Guys, how are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, good result last night, but a tough game at the weekend. So, see how it goes. Not too confident just yet, but we'll see. Yeah, that wonderful mix of trepidation and excitement is uh, always a good one, isn't it? Um yeah, yeah, I'm I'm feeling good though. You can't like you can't you can't not feel good after a two 0 win at, at Anfield over Atletico Madrid and winning a group with Atletico Porto and AC Milan in your um in your group. Four straight wins. Can't not feel good about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's been the perfect Champions League run so far for Liverpool, hasn't it? Like we say, those four wins out of four to qualify as group winners with two games to spare. Um, but let's look a little bit more detail of last night's 2-0 win over Atletico then. Um, they just couldn't really live with us, could they, in those kind of opening 20 minutes or so? And that's where all the damage was really done, James. Yeah, for a team that is so set up to be so defensive and to, to set up in two separate blocks, they they just couldn't get it out of their own, get out of their own feet for the first 20 minutes whenever they had the ball. It's probably the most intense I've seen Liverpool play this season in terms of the pressing and in terms of closing down. The crowd were behind them. And, you know, for a team that's been together for a long time and is highly experienced and going away from home and getting a result, they they looked shell-shocked the first couple of minutes. Um, Obviously, the sending off isn't going to help any matters for them, but I don't know what it was, but at some point they just lost the Reds. I think it was after the first or the second goal went in. Um, but yeah, something something happened to them, and you know it was a bit, bit of a carbon copy when we played them in the knockout stages just before COVID, um, where we absolutely battered them. But All Black was in having the game of his life that night, and he didn't have it last night, and obviously we've made them pay. Yeah, it was odd um, when I saw the team sheet come out, and I saw that DePaul, Koke, uh, Correa, Felix, Suarez, and um, uh, Yannick Carrasco were all going to be playing. I was like, Jesus, he's he's really going for it here, Diego Simeone. That that's a very very attacking lineup. Um, and it just didn't. Now that one chance that Correa got in behind the defense and just completely mishit. Yeah. I don't even know what he was trying to do. Um, it was such a mishit. But um. Aside from that, just nothing, really. I mean, like, they had their, quotation marks, goal um, ruled for offside after a pretty lucky um, Matic deflection. But, yeah, it just... there It wasn't that. I mean, they were missing players, like um, Marco Cirante and um, uh, Thomas Lamar has been really important for them this season. And not having both of them, plus Antoine Griezmann, obviously, that's a, that's a huge blow. But, yeah, I was just surprised with how... How little impact they made on the fixture, even with 11 men. Yeah, it was one of those classic Anfield European nights, it felt like, where, especially under Klopp, we can just blow teams away in such a short space of time, obviously. We've seen that in the past. The Barcelona 4-0 wins an obvious one where both Feyenoordum's goals come really close together and they just looked kind of shell-shocked, really. And the game was really done and dusted by half-time. We had a few, obviously, chances where we could have made it more convincing, but... 
job done in the end. And now we've got two games left in this group, which we don't, if we don't want to, have to play any of the big hitters because we've already topped the group. So we don't need to worry about even finishing finishing first. We, we, we've done that. That's in the bag. Um, and with a busy Christmas period coming up, and obviously we know that we're going to lose Salah and Mane for the African Cup of Nations, and we've got a League Cup quarter final amongst all the Premier League games. It's just the dictionary, dictionary definition of a good job well done is what you want from a Champions League group, isn't it? Getting it wrapped up early and then we can rest the, the bit, hopefully rest the big guns in, in, in those final two matches against Porto and Milan. Yeah, you can't ask for much more than that, really. I think even Jurgen Klopp said last night, or in, or in the build-up to the game, he turned around and said, usually we have a cup final on the final game of the group stage because it always comes down to that. Obviously, the game against Porto, where Alisson makes the save, we needed to win to go through there. And, you know, there's been other moments in the past where, yeah, yeah, where it has come down to the, to the final game where we've had to win, to, to obviously, to qualify. So, to have it done after four games against, I mean, Let's look at, you've got Atletico Madrid who won the league last year. You've got Porto who always play well in the Champions League. They're, always, they're in it year in, year out. Always managed to get to the knockout stages. And an AC Milan team who were joint top of Syria. So this isn't, it's not like we've had the champions of Finland, Denmark and Austria in, in our, you know, we've done very well to, to get the results we've got. There's been some gritty performances in there. You know, the AC Milan game coming back from 2-1 yeah. down to win 3-2. Atletico 2-0 up it's 2-2 and you've got to come back and, and get the win so it's not been easy for them but if, if I was the rest of the competition I'd take Liverpool a little bit more seriously than obviously we were last year because of the injuries but you know to, to breeze through the way we have done you know it's a credit to the team and, 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 and to the staff but going back to what you said yeah I think you've definitely got to rest some players now I think you know, like Canate and Joe Gomez maybe played the last two games as a centre of partnership to see if you can build something there. And I know we gave Robertson a, a break last night, but the injuries are just slowly starting to pile up at the moment. Curtis Jones missed the game because he was jabbed in the eye during training. So, <laughs> really weird. Um, yeah, it's just our look at the moment with, with injuries. But, you know, let's not be daft and let's, let's just rest some players and get ready for the, the knockout stages. And like you said, the busy Christmas period. and the famous Carabao Cup. You know, we've got to try and go and win that, haven't we? So, um, yeah, I'd definitely, definitely rest some players. Yeah, I mean, it, this is a very rare opportunity um, at this stage in the season to have two games that are, that genuinely are their brothers. Like, whether we we could lose both 25-0 and it would make no difference. Um, we'd still be top of the group. Um I don't think because you have to still credit like the competition, like still the Champions League. You're still playing AC Milan. You're still playing Porto. Um, so you can't, you know, you can't play Musialovsky and Balagizi and Kay Gordon and and all the young kids in these pitches because then because then it's not respecting the competition because you would never play that in the first two and it means that we would be directly affecting how the rest of the knockout goes after that. So I think what will end up happening is we might see Mo rested. We might see, as James said, we might see Van Dyke and um, and Matip rested, maybe Simicast. But I don't think it's going to be because I think some people just want, like, you know, a completely different starting eleven. 
like yeah. you know with like all the kids thrown in there probably will be one or two kids like i wouldn't be surprised if tyler morton played um played yeah. a game after how well he's played in midfield maybe nico williams comes in at right back and who's still a wales international but i don't think it's going to be a case of just play all the academy kids in the last two games and to be honest i wouldn't i wouldn't like it if we did that i think that would be a bit um i think it'd be a bit classless doing that to be honest um that's just my opinion but well, as long as we don't have any Jota midget land injuries like we had <laughs> <laughs> we had last year. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be close to, to what, what you described, Max. Um, let's talk about two guys who were in the midfield last night then, who I thought had particularly good performances um, for slightly different reasons, really. We've got Fabinho, who's back in the team after a few games out. And God, we've I think we've missed his absence. We probably saw it more obviously on the weekend against Brighton, where we obviously played really poorly second half and threw away a, a two-goal lead. And then also Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's he's not started very many games this season for obvious reasons. We know he's not going to be one of your regular starters if everyone's fit, but I thought last night was probably his best performance in the Liverpool shirt for a little while. Yeah, I was, with Fabinho, I mean, you know, just does go to highlight he is probably the, the best defense, central defensive midfielder in Europe, in the world at the moment. How, like you said, we were just getting passed through on Saturday. Brighton were carving us up, and then all of a sudden you put him back into the team, and it's a completely different story. He's one of those players, a bit like a Diddy Hamman, where you notice him more when he's not there than when he's there. I think when he's playing, we just sort of expect for being, oh, he'll mop that up, or he'll just sit in front of the defence. And then when he's not there, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, we have, we've got hardly anyone to play that number six role. Um, so I was very impressed with Fabinho, but I mean, we've talked enough about the navigator train. I think it's time to jump aboard the Alex, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain train because um, it, it really, it, it was like a glimpse of how he was in his first season when he broke into the team, um, driving the ball, hitting the ball, hitting it from long range, which we know we can do, um, trying to link up with the front three and being that driving force, getting the ball from the, you know, the deeper midfielders and trying to bring it forward. Um it's definitely his best performance of the season. I felt a little bit sorry for him against Preston. I think a few people were disappointed by that performance, but you threw him in with a couple of kids who he's never played with before. And, you know, it was always going to be tough for him. But same with, with Naby, you know, it's just all about keeping that match fitness now. I don't want to see him again play four or five games as a sub play really well um, and then get injured again and he's out again for six weeks. I do think he offers something different to this Liverpool's, this Liverpool side. You know, with the likes of Curtis Jones, who aren't scared to take a man on in midfield, they don't just have to pass it round a man or try and find a pass um, to the front three straight away. But you know, they like to take men on, you know, try and get around the opponent and aren't afraid to shoot from distance. Which, you know, when teams come and park the bus, you know, sometimes you do need someone from outside the box who is going to test the goalkeeper and you know maybe get a rebounded goal somewhere along the line. But I was really impressed with Oxley Chamberlain and. Just fingers crossed it works out for him because there is a player there. We've seen it before. Um, it's just the injuries have just absolutely massacred him. Yeah, it's been um it's been I mean, like the first to pay tribute to Fabinho, I can only echo um what James said. He's just uh well, they call him the Dyson, don't they? Um he just sweeps everything up. Um he just everyone just looks so much so much sure of themselves having him there. Um I think it does show that um 
whichever central midfielder does come in the summer, and I'm sure there will be one, and I think this changes the profile that we might get. I don't think Henderson is quite at it as a lone number six anymore in this team. I think that he's been exposed a couple of times this season in that position. So I think that whichever midfielder comes in is going to have to have the possibility of playing in that deepest role and doing yeah. well there. Um, and then for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think Oxlade-Chamberlain is the player who's going to benefit from these two Champions League games because it's still going to be high level. It's still going to be against... Like Porto and AC Milan can still qualify as it stands for yeah. the round of 16. Um, Milan, that probably won't be the case um, in game six, it has to be said, because unless they, unless they win against Atletico Madrid away... And um, and we beat Porto. I don't think they'll be able to um, get back. I'm not 100% sure of the maths on that, but I'm fairly sure I'm correct. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think those two games could really represent an opportunity for us. So With Thiago and Fabinho looking quite good when they came in, even if Thiago did have my heart in the mouth at one point, um, giving the ball away for, a, um, for an Atletico break. Um, I think that will be the midfield um, that we see against West Ham United. Probably is Henderson, Thiago, and um, uh, and Fabinho. I would be surprised if that wasn't the case. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I think also Chamberlain played really well. Did what he, he did what we expect also Chamberlain to do. He's really direct with the ball, not afraid to strike, um, not quite on target this time. Um, but he's just he's a bit unpredictable. Um, and someone else I'd like to draw a bit of attention to, actually, is Takumi Minamino. I thought he looked really tidy when he came on. And yeah. I think that he should be getting a start in these games and let, let him prove himself, let him prove that he is, you know, at the level that we Liverpool fans want him to be. Yeah, I, I think as well, Taki and Origi will probably both most likely start those two games, you'd imagine, with one of the usual front front three involved, maybe a Jota or, or a Mane or something. But let, let's talk a little bit about Mane um, now, because he scored two in a row now, the last two games, Brighton and, and last night against Atletico. Um, obviously, at the start of the season, there was a little bit of a question mark about whether he, he could get back to his best levels of the year of the 1920 season when we won the league. We know that he had a bit of a drop last year, but other than Mo Salah, pretty much every, every player did. Um, but now I think he's really looking... Back to his best, he looks a lot sharper. He looks a lot more, a lot happier generally when he's playing. He seems like he's not got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's playing a bit more instinctive football um, where he seemed to be getting in his head a little bit, I felt, at times earlier in, earlier in the season. And he's only Mo Salah and Jamie Vardy have scored more goals than him in the Premier League this season. So he looks right back on form. Yeah, it's a weird one with Mane. He looks like he just needs a crowd. He looks like he desperately needs fans in the state because yeah. obviously we saw him last season and he just dropped off completely and if he made a mistake or he gave the ball away his head would go down straight away but now it looks like because he's still getting into the same positions as he did last season he's just being more clinical and I don't think he's as scared to take people on as much as he was last year obviously yeah. having Robertson there to do the overlaps with you now creates more space for you because obviously Robertson's got more faith in Van Dyke than he did Reese Williams but um, obviously really? that frees up most. <laughs> I, I for one am shocked by this revelation. <laughs> Reese Williams' biggest fan, Max. Um, so, 
<laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, we saw it on the final. Was it? Did he score two on the final day of last season? Because there was yeah, fans in the in, in the stadium. Um, so that's what I'm basing it off. Um, he had a dreadful season, then scored two goals <laughs> on the final day of the season when there was half a stadium. Science, but... science with James. <laughs> Small sample size for the win. <laughs> I just, I genuinely just think it's a crowd to get behind him to, to lift him up when he's down. He, he does seem to be a player who who just rides confidence. And if he's got no confidence, then it's, then it's just a completely different... Salah's different. Salah will... He's got a different mentality where he'll still carry on doing whatever he was doing, regardless if he goes on an eight-game streak yeah. without scoring. He'll still cut inside onto his left foot and try and curl it and still try and take men on and dance around five people and, and poke it into the bottom corner. Whereas with Mane, I think when his head goes down, it, 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 it's down for the count, really. So I think having the, the fans back in the stadium is definitely a massive plus. And you know, I think a lot of fans were sort of saying if a bid came in for me in the summer, if we had to sell one of the front three, it'd be Mane, that would go. Um, but I think a few of them will be changing their opinions. James, have you ever thought about going sports psychology? <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, Max, no. <laughs> 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 I, again, shocked. Um, no, um, uh, in all seriousness, I, I do agree. I, th- I think Mane is one of those players who, similar to Firmino, who, who you know gets involved with the crowd. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing for Mane is that last season, and I will admit, I was one of those people who was doubting Mane. I, I was just like, has COVID hit? Because he did get COVID. And I was like, has it just hit him really hard? Like, you know, and he might not be able to sort of get that physicality back. You know, he was because everyone associates him with being quick, but he's so strong. And I just didn't see enough of that last season. And his decision making as well was really off. Like he would he wouldn't shoot. He was really shy to shoot for yeah. a lot of last season. Yes. And he's much more like much as the fact he's wasted a couple of chances because he's been so desperate to score at some times this season. Um, I love it. I, I want that selfish streak a little bit to come back. I want him to yeah. have confidence that when he shoots, he's going to score. And he just didn't have that last season. And I wasn't sure he was going to get it back. But fair play to him. He's proven me and a lot of people wrong. Um, and showing that he he has still got it, and he's still got the speed and the power and the intelligence. I mean, what he did for the second goal. I mean, the finish was you know a bit of a tap in, but the run he made from left yeah, to right in the build up to that goal, he was too quick, too strong, and that's what we've needed to see from him for a yeah. while. And and I for one am very very glad that he's back at his best. Just that desire to get into that space and continue that run instead of just popping off a pass and you know holding his position, he sees the opportunity and he drives into it and, and it leads to the goal. And when he's in that kind of form, he's he's unplayable really. And the way he's been celebrating goals as well, that the assist he got um, for uh, one of the goals against Man City when he runs over to Salah and he you know he's absolutely so passionate about the goal. It seems like he's got that fire back in him, which is great to see. Um, moving on from the Atletico win then. We've got West Ham United away on the weekend. West Ham probably one of the informed teams in the Premier League, it has to be said. David Moyes is doing a really good job there, um, currently in the, in the top four places and they had a good season last year getting into Europe, uh, etc. So it's not going to be an easy game by any means, but from a Liverpool perspective, obviously we dropped points in the league 
in the last game out at home against Brighton after being 2-0 up as I think most fans were particularly annoyed about the manner of how we threw that win away. This game, it seems too almost too early in the season to say a must win, but I think given this way that we dropped points in the last game and how well Chelsea just seems to be grinding out wins irrespective of whether they're playing particularly well, they just seem to be getting the three points on the board each week. It's, I think it's probably a must win. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, it's a huge game. I mean, if you look at Chelsea's fixture this weekend, they've got Burnley at home, which you'd probably expect them to beat them. And then you've got City against United, which, you know, City do turn up, they can play United off the park. So, it is definitely a must win. And obviously the job that David Moyes is doing at West Ham at the moment, you can't talk it down. You can't underestimate what he's doing at the moment. He's, <clears throat> I think he's just needed a club that was going to be, it's going to give him the stability and was going to give him the time to do what he did at Everton, which is where everyone, you know, yeah. sort of gave him, you know, his credit first. I think I saw a tweet the other day that said, if Moyes had never been United manager, they'd probably be in for him now, judging off the form that he's currently got. So, um, you know, it's going to be tough. They've got two big, quick centre-halves in. Kurt Zuma and Ogbonna, who seem to have been, you know, got a decent partnership going. And then, obviously, Antonio always seems to do well against us for some reason. You know, mm-hmm. he scored in the... in the, He scored the equalise. That, you know, was one of the games that stopped us winning the title. He's the a bloody, he's a did, bloody so. good striker, that's why. He's <laughs> 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 <is> really good. <laughs> so, it's just going to be... It's just going to be one of them games. I think the West Ham fans are starting to believe in this squad now and are going to get right behind them, even though it's hard to generate an atmosphere at the you know the London Stadium or the Olympic Stadium, whatever they've decided to call it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a massive game. And the front three are going to have to be firing and the back ball is going to have to do better than what it did against Brighton because arguably West Ham are a better team than Brighton. So it's, uh, it's not going to be a fun game to watch. I would say they absolutely are a better team than Brighton. Um, I've watched a fair bit of West Ham this season. I've been really, really impressed. Um, Antonio is just... Antonio is monstrous. He's just so big. He's fast. He's combative. He presses. He's He must be an absolute nightmare to defend against. Yeah. Um, Jared Bowen, I can see why we've been linked with him. He's tenacious. He presses. He's really quick. Um, like you're not the most spectacular player, but he's just he's a pain in the ass. That's that's the biggest thing I would describe a lot of these West Ham attackers as is just a pain in the ass. And that's the kind of attacker that we've struggled with a lot this season. Like Brighton really got into our faces and they, they weren't afraid to take us on and press and you know try and play through that midfield. And I think that David Moyes will be looking at Declan Rice, who has probably been arguably the best midfielder in the Premier League this season and saying, you know, carry the ball, do what you've been doing this season, run at these guys and try and, you know, cause them issues. Um, I think they will sit deep. I think they'll try and play on the counter-attack probably through, um, uh, probably through the midfield. I would say they'll try and channel the ball through the center. Um, but, yeah, I, I think West Ham will be a very, very tough game for a lot of teams. Uh, I think we should win. I think Zuma and Obono, big, fast, quite comfy on the ball, both of them. But they both have the capacity to do something very stupid. And mm. we need to coax them into doing that. 
Um, it's a shame that Firmino is injured um, because I, I think he, I think his style of play and his way of trying to pull them a bit out of position and and sort of working them in a bit, a bit of a different way to Jota, <laughs> who's more of a traditional sort of nine, would be quite interesting to see. Um, and maybe drop in to help out the midfield, but you know that's all hypothetical now. But yeah, it's going to be a very tough game. Yeah, it, I don't think there's been a time scale on Firmino yet, has there? But fingers crossed, it's not too bad. It looked like a hamstring, didn't it? Um, but yeah, and with Antonio, it's been so impressive. How he's converted himself basically from an out-and-out winger to a proper number nine, and he seems to have bulked up massively in the last few years and he's an absolute tank these days. I think when he first came to West Ham, he was like a silky, silky, silky winger, but um, it would definitely be a more difficult de- game. I think David Moyes, like with you've, you guys have said, has done a great job there. He's probably, for me, last season was probably manager of the season when he's considered the job he did. Um, I think Guardiola won it, but you expect Man City to win the league. So I think oh, Moyes' job there can't be overlooked. Um, in terms of our lineup for, for this game then, the midfield is probably the biggest question mark about it. Um, they seem to be picking themselves at the moment in the midfield simply because every time someone else gets fit, someone else gets injured. Um, we obviously saw Naby go off against Brighton. Curtis Jones has, like James said earlier, got poked in the eye, which I don't think should probably keep him out for that long, but who knows really. Um, so I guess it would be, as we've said, that Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago, midfield free. But just as a wider point, is it a bit of a worry that these midfields are basically picking themselves because we don't have any options. Do you think come January, which is only a month or two away, we need to be getting in the midfielder basically now rather than waiting until the summer? Yes, I think it can be. I think Thiago seems to be picking up injuries a lot more frequently than he ever did at Bayern Munich or Barcelona, which is obviously a cause for concern. And obviously, like so Chamberlain and Naby Keita are injured you know, a lot as well. So I would I would like us to see to try and at least make a move for midfielder in January. Um, but I don't think, I agree with Max, I do think it should be, you know, Thiago, Fabinho and Henderson. But the only issue I've got with that is, is it's too nice of a midfield. It's there's No one's going to drive the ball forward. No one's going to try and beat a man, which I think might just sneak Chamberlain in into, for Thiago and then just have Chamberlain as the person to take the man on because, you know, West Ham are a very organised team, as we've said, and David Moyes knows how to drill into his players to, you know, go side to side with the ball and to not get out of position or get caught out. So I think you're probably going to have to go with somebody who is going to try and take a man on, who's going to try and beat someone or shoot from distance, and I think that person's going to be Chamberlain. I'd say if you do want to play outside Chamberlain, I actually think the person who should get dropped, despite the fact I don't think it will happen, is Henderson. Because I think having Thiago to find that pass, someone who's going to break through the lines of that deep um, West Ham block and find players in space, Thiago does that better than Henderson. And I think his ability to control the tempo of a match and his passing range and his ability his ability to be a press as well, I think would be vital against West Ham. Fabinho is a six to sort of cover that space 
where I can imagine Ben Rama is going to try and drop into between the defence and the midfield is going to be vital. I think if, if, if you want to play Ox, and I can completely understand James' reasoning for that, but I would drop Henderson for Ox, not Thiago. I think that he will be really important in this game. Just as a, I agree with what you're saying, but do you think Thiago's fitness-wise would be able to play from, from the start against West Ham? Because obviously he's only had 20 minutes or so last night, whatever it was. Do you think if he starts, I imagine he would have played the full game, but you'd be willing just to throw him in straight away in, the, in this one then? Uh, it, it is a tough one because you're going into a midfield of tough tacklers. At West Ham, you're going to have Suchek, Declan Rice, you know, going in. So maybe that if he's a yard off the pace or half a yard off the pace, he's going to get caught. And is he going to go down, get injured and be out again for four to six weeks? It is, I do think that is a bit of a risk. That's why I said he'd sort of be the one to drop out. Um, I was impressed with him the last time we played West Ham last year, where he played on the right of the diamond. Yeah, but obviously, right. but obviously, um, we're not going to go to that. Well, Kansi is going to a diamond just, just for West Ham again. Um, but that's the only reason I can think of Thiago getting getting dropped is, like he said, he's a yard off the pace. He already had a scurry moment against Atletico Madrid last night um, and in, in a big game. And, you know, like I said, there's going to be some crunching tackles in that midfield. The fans are going to be up for it down in London. So that's why I just sort of side with Ox because I think he'll, you know, he's had a few more minutes under his belt and he looked really sharp against, you know, a solid Atletico Madrid team on paper. I know they didn't play well last night, but on paper. You know they're they're a tough midfield and defense to break down and Chamberlain seemed to get in and around them quite uh quite a bit last night. Yeah, I get the logic behind that. Um, I don't necessarily think that Thiago should play a whole game, like especially if we go into a lead against West Ham. You know, bring on Henderson if need be later on, a bit more physical. Um, uh, you know, a bit more energy off the ball, but. I, I think for this game, like, like West Ham are a serious team. They're a really, really good side at the moment. And I think in the way they're going to set up, I think it's worth the risk playing Thiago. I mean, you have to remember that he's gonna he, he's been training for a fair while now as well. And he hasn't been out for so long that his match fitness will have just mm. completely yeah. gone. Um, so, yeah, personally, I think it's worth taking the risk. Um I can completely understand the opposite opinion. Um, but for me, I think that he is the midfielder who is suited to this game. And West Ham will want to make this an up and down, um, you know, um, really, uh, really, yeah. o- really open um, midfield sort of game. And we cannot yeah. allow that to be the case. And Thiago is the best player we have at making sure that sort of thing doesn't happen and slowing the tempo when it needs to be done. So, yeah, I I think that he's vital for this game. Another question that's kind of around Liverpool and team selection-wise is is the left-back situation. Obviously, Andy Robertson's been the undisputed number one Liverpool left-back for a little while now, but a few people have identified that he's not had the best start of the season by his high standards and every time that Costas Simicas has, has played or stepped in or been rotated in or whatever you want to describe it as he's done a sterling job and I don't think we've actually conceded a goal with Costas on the pitch yet this season so what are your guys take on it do you think do you just stick with Robbo or maybe give Costas a little bit more of a run in the team because probably he looks the best of the two of them at the moment on current form um, yeah I, I definitely trust you know 
Simakas going forward more than I do Robbo so far this season. I think he's looked really good going forward, but going the other way, going backwards, I definitely do still trust Robbo um, a little bit more. But I think what's benefiting Simakas at the moment is that wand of a left foot he's got at the moment. I think he whipped in a ball last night, can't remember, the end of the first or beginning of the second half, straight onto Jota's head and forced us all back into a good save. And it's not the first time he, he, we've seen him whipping some good crosses and um, he looks decent from taking corners as well from what we saw in the Norwich game on the opening day. But I think it's a, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, take Robbo out of the team and put him in now, obviously because of what Robbo's done over the last couple of years. But I definitely think now there's moments where I wouldn't feel too bothered if Robertson got dropped for a game. I wouldn't be, oh no, Robbo's not playing. When Trent's not playing at right back, everyone goes, oh fuck no, there's no, there's no Trent. That means Milner's going to have to play at right back. So, there's no fear now that Milner has to play at left back all of a sudden again. So, you know, definitely does make you feel more go more, more confident if you, you know news comes out of Mel you know the Kirby training ground now that maybe you know, Robertson's not fit. But and I think a lot of credit goes down to obviously Simakas, but Jurgen Klopp again. He, he just seems to know when to buy these plays in and when to play them and not to rush them in. You know, he's done it with Fabinho. He, I don't think Fabinho made his first appearance for Liverpool till November. I think that was in the in a Champions League game. Um, it might have been Spartak Moscow, I think. Andy Robertson had to wait three, four months for his first game. And Tim Cass only had, what, eight minutes of Premier League action last season. So a lot of credit goes to Jurgen Klopp to keep plugging away with him on the training ground because it does look like, for the money, we was it about eight, ten million we paid for yeah. him from Olympiacos? Around that. It looks like we've got a bit of a bargain at the moment from what we've seen so far this season. And even if Robertson, you know, was to move on in the next couple of years or or whatever, at least we know we've got a decent backup who's who's ready to come into the first team. Yeah, I mean once again, the fan culture on online does drive me a bit mental because it seems that no one can praise Simicast while not having a crack at Robertson for some reason. Um, yeah. There appears to be, yet again, the crazed duality of football, according to some people, that, you know, if someone's good, someone else must be shit. Um, yeah, I, I'm over the moon that we've got two quality left-backs, really. Um, I agree with James, I think, in a big match, even though last night was a big match, to be fair. Um, but I, I would say if you were telling me that we're going to play the Champions League final or something tomorrow... Who do you want, Robertson or Simicast? I'd still have Robertson. Um, but yeah, ha- having a really good deputy at left back who can come in whenever, and it gives Robertson the chance to get fit. He's pretty much not stopped for the last, what, three years? Um, so yeah, we'll, um, uh, we'll have to see what happens really um, going forward. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that. It's it can only be a good thing that we've got competition. Yeah, and having those options and we've got seems to have so many options in defence, and then the other areas it's it's lacking a little bit. But um, yeah, Costas, I think just to echo what you guys have said, I think he's looked really good this season. Um, some of the balls he's been putting in to the box have been so pinpoint. I think sometimes one of the criticisms Liverpool um, other fans level at Liverpool's fullbacks is that they just spam crosses in, which is absolutely not true. They're so accurate and pick their passes so precisely. And Costa seems to have just picked up that mantle from um, Robertson and Trent really well. So it'll be interesting to see 
who he goes with on the weekend. I imagine he'll go Robertson for this one against West Ham. But generally going forward, it's good to know that we've got two capable guys on the, in the area of the pitch. Um, but that's it for this show. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about the West Ham game. And then we've got an international break, which I'm sure we're all thrilled about. But uh, yeah, so James, Max, thanks for joining me this evening. Thanks for having us. And uh, after this weekend, I can't wait for some fun games against Albania and San Marino. <laughs> I, I personally am a huge fan of uh, San Marino's football and I'm very much looking forward to the game. I don't appreciate your slander of that mighty nation. Um, uh, no, but uh, look, I am very excited for the game against West Ham. I'm very happy with where Liverpool are going this season at the moment. Um that feels like a tempting fate, but well. Um, and yeah, always a pleasure to talk to you guys about Liverpool. Brilliant. Um, and it's goodbye from me, but until next week, you can still get plenty of content from us on Anfield Central at our website, anfieldcentral.co.uk, and on Twitter as well, Anfield underscore Central. Uh, until next time, thank you and goodbye.